Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Hi everyone, how are you? I am so thrilled to be here with you. And at the time of recording this, which is around mid-May, we are still quarantined and in lockdown. And so I wanted to continue to give you some inspiring podcasts that will serve you during this time. So I'll be very honest, I'm embarrassed to admit, I'm pretty clueless about skincare. Mainly because when I've tried it when I was younger, I would break out. I have very dry and sensitive skin. So when I've seen these beauty bloggers on Instagram talking about scrubs and toners and rollers and these like fancy skincare routines I immediately got overwhelmed and I'm like all right all I really know is uh, moisturizer SPF and I should be taking my makeup off at night and I will be very very honest up until recently I was kind of like hit or miss about that I know such a big no-no but I know I'm hitting 40 now so I've been making it more of an effort I gotta take my makeup off I know terrible I've been really blessed with pretty good skin but I think I mean that's genetic and um, one of the things for me that's a problem area is I've had really bad dark, dark under eye circles since I was young probably late teens early 20s because it's genetic I really have been skeptical about, you know, am I going to spend 90 bucks for like this little tube and I have no idea if it works? So I invited a guest today, not only because I desperately need help, but also being home for the last two months in dry air inside, it does affect our skin. And I've also really wanted to get an idea of what are some minimalistic but necessary practices that we should be doing. Right now, people can't get their fancy facials and their treatments. So now that we're home, what is the essential? And so I invited a remarkable guest who's going to be able to answer these questions, Dr. Sonia Batra, who is the founder of a dermatology practice out in Santa Monica, California, is going to be our guest today. You may know her. She is the host of the CBS syndicated daytime talk showed the doctors. Dr. Bathra is very, very well versed. She's educated and has her degree from Harvard University, has a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford. She's trained in dermatology from Stanford. My goodness, her accolades really are just so remarkable. She um, is married to a urologist named Samir, and they're the proud parents of two kids, 12-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. And so as a mommy and as someone who's in the quarantine, I really wanted to just dish with her about how it's been going with her, but also how how can we press the reset button on quarantine skin? Hi, Sonia. I am so happy that you're here today. And I'm so excited to learn so much more about skincare because I will be honest, I am a complete amateur when it comes to this. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about this. So um, this is what happened, guys. I thought I pressed record, but it wasn't recording. So we started off talking. Luckily, it was only like five or six minutes in. (laughs) So we're going to try to recreate the amazing banter that we just had. See, we're very raw and real here. Um, Absolutely. But I was just telling Sonia that... 
I'm very much an amateur when it comes to skincare. And largely, it's because I've always had sensitive skin and I've had reactions. And so I've been scared to try different products. And then just being on Instagram, there's so many um, beauty bloggers that are out there sharing so many different like techniques and so many different products like serums and rollers. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. So I get overwhelmed and then I just do the very, very basics. So I am so thrilled that you're going to be here, not only just to help us like how to, you know, help our quarantine skin, but just like people like me or moms out there who don't have the time for seven, eight, nine steps, like what we should be doing. Absolutely. And and it is overwhelming. And even as a dermatologist, it's hard for me to keep up sometimes because it feels like every single week there is some blog or some beauty article about some new hero ingredient. And I agree with you when you walk down the beauty aisle and you see so many different products, it, it can just be intimidating to the point that you don't want to do anything. So I think one really lovely opportunity to be here, so thank you for inviting me, is, is to tell you, especially as a mom, you have enough on your plate. Your skincare does not have to be really complicated or really expensive. And so I tell my patients this all the time, that dermatologists probably have much simpler routines than anyone. And it's because we're just really paring it down to the basics. We know what works, what doesn't work. Try to avoid all the hype and the latest thing you're seeing on social media or the latest blog and, and just really kind of pour it down to, to what you need to do, whether in quarantine or not. They're, they're just sort of basic principles, really simple things we can all do that don't break our budget and that don't waste super amounts of time. Like you said, eight, nine, 10, 11 step regimens, especially when you're dealing with your family and you're dealing with your work and you have so much else on your plate. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I think the general theme of life is like to be like simplify and minimalism mm -hmm. and right. Like a lot of people are not wearing as much makeup, even like when you see their pictures, right. It's like more natural because we're not going anywhere. Nobody's, right. seen, nobody's, I mean, where, where are you going to get decked out um, and go? But I think right now where you can't go out to get your treatments done or, you know, even maybe go out and buy um, different products. I think it's going to be really great to see, like, maybe we'll carry on like the simplicity of like what we should be doing moving forward. So I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. And I really want to start at the basics because like I said, I'm very much an amateur and I, as I'm like hitting 40 now, I realize you know, I really should be taking care of my skin and doing uh, a regimen. Um, so my first question is, you know, what do you feel is the essential um, steps and products that we should be using for our daily skincare routine while we're at home? Yeah, and, and I think your daily skincare routine, whether you're at home or when hopefully things start to return to normal, those essentials are really simple. And I just made this up for my patients. I call it the ABCs of your essential at-home regimen. And interestingly, this was before the pandemic and all the stay-at-home orders, but I have found it to be even more true now. And so the A stands for antioxidant. And what that means is that every time you're out, even in sunshine in your backyard, you're getting a tremendous amount of ultraviolet damage, of oxidative damage. Thankfully, now there's a little less pollution, but pollution, dirt, all of those things start breaking down the collagen and damaging your skin. They cause discoloration, they cause wrinkles. So an antioxidant, really simply put, is basically a scavenger that goes through and it mops up all of that free radical damage. So these are the ingredients you read about and you see about, you know, see on social media, vitamin C, vitamin E, ferulic acid, Ida Benham. Those are kind of really great 
anti-aging antioxidant ingredients and they work best in my opinion if you kind of at least have something on board during the daytime so your a should be your first step you cleanse your skin in the morning and you get a well formulated antioxidant serum now because antioxidants are meant to to mop up that free radical damage you don't want them to oxidize themselves or they're not going to work so one thing i always tell my patients is please don't buy that really expensive vitamin c and then get it in a clear bottle that you put on your shelf and allow it to turn dark brown because then it's not doing anything. So remember with your antioxidant, that's the first key step. The B is for block. And what I mean by that is some protection in the form of sunscreen, because when we're outside, we're getting a lot of ultraviolet, UVA, UVB, UVC, all those rays that are damaging our skin. But even now as we're inside and we're exposed to a lot more high frequency or high energy blue light and light from our screens, there are a lot of, uh, assaults on your skin day to day. So the block is just any sunscreen that you like that's your day to day protective measure. And so the antioxidant should come first. And then the B block should be something with zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Those are the mineral physical shields that sit on top of your skin and deflect ultraviolet. And now we have a lot more data that iron oxide, which is in a number of newer sunscreens as well, will block some of the light admitted from your screen. So as we are all inside more, we're all trying to transition to work from home. I would say look for products with those ingredients. And thankfully, there are a number of really inexpensive ones that are well formulated. We know that the mineral blocks are much less likely to be absorbed into your bloodstream. And they basically just form a physical shield that deflects the light that could be so damaging to your skin. So the A and the B should really be in the morning. And then the C is just for cell turnover or collagen stimulation. Those are just two options I made up for my patients. And those, again, go back to a lot of the things and those buzzwords you're reading and hearing about online or, or from beauty magazines. And those are things like retinols, which dermatologists loves. Those are, those are vitamin A derivatives that help turn over your skin. They help really jumpstart collagen production. Or alpha hydroxy acids, which are glycolic acid, lactic acid. There's so many products now on the market. And as to which you should choose, I always say start light. Really, anything that's going to help turn over your skin can also sometimes be a little bit irritating and sometimes a little bit drying. So maybe start two nights that aren't in a row per week, like Tuesday and Friday, and see how your skin responds. You don't want to use something that's going to make you really dry and really irritated. Uh, just a couple nights a week to help stimulate that cell turnover is more than enough. And then as long as after a couple of weeks you've tried a product and it's not making you red and it's not making you peel, you want to increase the frequency, that's totally fine. But I think what a lot of people do, and I did this too, so I'm just full disclosure, <laughs> if you buy this product and you've spent money on it and you're so excited to see it work that you start using it every day or twice a day and then your skin gets really inflamed and irritated and it's been counterproductive and then you just leave it on your counter. And so there's this sort of graveyard of all these products yeah. that didn't live up to expectation. So I always say just start with, you know, one thing at a time, you know, you can get one A, one B, one C ease into the C part of it. And then that's just all you need for a really good anti-aging and preventive skincare regimen. So if you're turning 40, this is all things that you can certainly buy all three products inexpensively. They're available online. And it's, it's not so much what brand they are, but it's what's in them. And that's why I was taking the time to explain the ingredients because it's, it's more nuanced than just saying, oh, go buy this particular brand or spend this amount of money. Right. That was really helpful. And I was actually very shocked. I do two of the three. So I'm not, I'm not too bad. Awesome. I don't do the last step, the one that the retinol. Um, and 
just, I mean, I know that like there's so many different products on the market, but if there were just like a couple in each, like the, the ABC category that you could just give, like if a mom's like, I don't know, I don't have time to do the research. Could you give like a couple in each category that you could recommend? Sure. Yeah. So in terms of the antioxidants, one of my favorite new product lines that I really like because it's super clean and super inexpensive is called Ghost Democracy. And so they make a light bulb vitamin C serum that I'm, I'm really liking. It's a newer product, but it's very clean. It's got vitamin C, vitamin E, and ferulic acid, which were a couple of those things I rattled off. And it's lightweight. It doesn't have a lot of added chemicals or scents or dyes, which is, as a dermatologist, I'm really anti-artificial scents and dyes because those are the things that often trigger reactions in people. I like Drunk Elephant's vitamin C serum. I also like, if you want to go to more of a cosmeceutical higher end one, SkinCeuticals CE Ferulic Serum. So, so those are kind of the array. But again, you don't have to break your bank to buy a well-formulated serum. It should be the antioxidants, like I sort of started saying earlier, should be in dark packaging and it should be airless packaging so that they don't oxidize and lose their potency. Uh, in terms of sunscreens, I really like anything that's an SPF 30 or more that's zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. I think a couple that I'm really liking right now, one is Skintegrity because they make a daily moisturizer sunscreen that has different tints. And some of the feedback I get from patients is that if you try to recommend a zinc sunscreen, even when they're supposed to be transparent, they often leave a little bit like a Casper-like white sheen on your face. And if you have any sort of olive tone like me to your yeah. skin, that's really not flattering and it's going to be a reason not to wear it. I also really like MD Solar Science. You can buy them widely available online and they often like are even sold at like Bed Bath & Beyond and you can use your 20% off coupon oh, nice. and all of it. Um, they make one called Beauty Bomb that's an SPF 50. And one reason I really like that one is that it's been tested not to clog your pores. So if you are breakout prone like me, you always want to make sure something says non-comedogenic or non-pore clogging because that usually means it's a little less likely to break you out. And then in terms of the C for the cell turnover, uh, alpha hydroxies, there's a number of them. One that I like in terms of glycolic products or alpha hydroxies is Neostrata. And then for the retinols, I think some of the really good over-the-counter retinols that you can buy from a regular you know, pharmacy are ROC, which is spelled R-O-C. Mm. And then Neutrogena has a newer product mm. called RWR, which is their racket, rapid wrinkle repair product. So those are just starting points. Um, I don't, I don't, um, this is not sponsored. I have yes, no, this is not sponsored. Company, <laughs> just for the record. Um, but I think they're good. And I think those are good starting points for someone who just wants some things they can look up at, at, you know, different price points and see what works for them. I love that. Thank you so much. Very helpful. I know there's like so many different types of treatments that are available. Like if we're doing this daily regime, is there any sort of treatments or any sort of additional things that uh, we should be doing? Or is this pretty much what we should be focusing on? I think this is a really good starting point. And you you have all the components of anti-aging, exfoliation, and cell turnover in that regimen. But I will say right now, because uh, we are talking about skincare during quarantine, I will say that one added bonus, especially as it's getting hotter in you know many parts of the country mm -hmm. and the world, when we're wearing masks and the people tend to be a little bit more sweaty under their mask and more breakout prone. One thing I am adding in more as a step for some of my patients who are calling me and say, I'm getting all this breakouts and occlusion from the mask, just trapping in sweat, dirt, makeup, you name it, is uh, adding in an exfoliating step. 
So if you do want to up the ante and those three steps are helpful, it's more of a maintenance, but you want more of a treatment protocol, I do think adding in either an over-the-counter kind of stronger exfoliant, whether it's an alpha hydroxy mask or beta hydroxy mask, if you're breakout from that would be something with salicylic acid, maybe like two nights a week is a really nice option. And if you're like me and you're providing healthcare and you're wearing a mask all day, many of us are getting a lot of irritation, right? Where the elastic and the metal hit your skin. So even doing something that's more of a hydrating, calming mask is a nice idea a couple nights a week. Those are things that are just going to have kind of anti-inflammatory measures as well as things to help restore the barrier of the skin, like with ceramides or hyaluronic acid. But, but to be fair, the ABC that I recommended, if you have a well-formulated regimen, is going to be a really nice maintenance regimen for most people. And I think adding in those other steps more is as, as needed, depending on what's going on with quarantine and your particular situation. Awesome. I love that you're about simplicity because that feels so not daunting. (laughs) Um, I feel like if I tell you to do more than three things and this goes for like any medical regimen, it's not going to happen. You're going to walk into that aisle. You're going to like have like, it's like a recipe, right? If you have to buy so many things that it's overwhelming for you, you're just not going to cook the dish. And I feel like with with recommendations, the more complicated you make it, I mean, you're going to have motivated people who really love doing stuff like that. But I don't have time. Like I try to always think like, what do I have time to do Mm -hmm. before I make a recommendation to a patient or to someone asking me for skincare advice? And I presume most of the listeners here, like us, are really busy moms. Yes. So I think keeping it simple is going to be so much more effective. I love that. And so I'll I'll be um, very transparent. So I've I'm someone, and I think a lot of like, as we age, we see dark under eye circles, mm-hmm. but genetically I've had dark under eye circles from like, I think my late teens to mm-hmm. early twenties, it started developing because my mom has dark under eye circles. And I've always been so skeptical about, and I guess I can't say that I tried anything long enough to see if it really created any sort of result. So I just want to ask you, I'm, the whole like dark under eye circles, like it going away or being reduced, is that is it is there products out there that can really help with that? Or is that really once the skin kind of gets thin, and it's just kind of like a genetic thing that happens, and it kind of well, starts to stay? The, the short answer is that there are products that help, but there are different causes for people to have under eye circles. So what you're talking about is much more common in people like me and like you who have olive toned and, and more pigmented skin types. Because in a hereditary way, many of us get hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of call that under eye circles, but it's really a darkening and a shadowing Mm -hmm. under the eye. So in that situation, you're really looking for an under eye product that has a fading component to it, something that's going to help inhibit and and stop the enzyme that allows you to lay pigment down. So those are all tyrosinase inhibitors for the most part, and there are a number on the market. So you're looking for things that are going to brighten your skin, like kojic acid or tranexamic acid or licorice root. I mean, there, there are some really good ones. There's more chemical ones like hydroquinone. So that's if your are under eye circles are really due to pigmentation, mm. which for a lot of us is hereditary. And like you said, it starts really early. There are other causes, though, that some people still call under eye circles, which, for example, are people who have the puffiness Mm -hmm. under their eyes. And that's also hereditary. And that's because we all have three fat pads behind each eye. And many of us genetically are prone to those herniating down as we age. And that's what gives that permanent bag, that puffiness. And so that's a little bit different. That would be things that help get rid of the fat 
deposition there as that fat pad comes down. And obviously, the most definitive thing for that is an under eye surgery that's done by an oculoplastic surgeon called a blepharoplasty, where they actually go in through the conjunctiva of your eye, believe it or not, and smooth out the wow. fat pad. So, so that's kind of the more extreme where the, the circles you're talking about are really more like bags. And then there's the flip side of that, which actually a lot of my patients in, in my practice as they age actually lose volume under their eye and they get a very deep trough. And so that caves in and that makes them look tired all the time. So that's where you get more in the realm of cosmetic, where you you actually use a filler and you prop that back up and you give them that that really smooth contour and you get rid of the shadowing and that helps the under eye bags. So, and then last but not least, there's a vascular component. And this is actually in very fair people. So a lot of times people who have that really pale skin and they have that bluish red look of their under eye circles, mm-hmm. it's because as you were mentioning, your skin gets thinner and you can often see the blood vessels in that lattice or network of vessels under the eyes. And then that's more addressed by measures to constrict the blood vessels. Um, so, so long-winded answer, but the, the reason is there are many different causes of what people kind mm-hmm. of put in that that description or that kind of bucket of under-eye bags. And so depending on what's causing it, you can actually get products that are more or less effective. You can get treatments that are more or less effective. So the short answer is if you're looking for a good eye cream, maybe look for something that has a little bit of caffeine that's going to constrict the vessels so you're less puffy. And if you do feel like your under-eye bags are because of pigmentation, you're going to want something that's going to help fade that discoloration with all those ingredients I was rattling off earlier. Well, that was fascinating because I never knew that there were, you just think of dark under-eye circles. And so that was very educational. And I think that's going to also help other moms out there because I only thought there was like one category. So oh, yeah, no, no, very, very, very helpful. helpful. Yeah. And that's why sometimes because people don't categorize it, yeah. they buy one product. And like you said, you use it for a week, you use it for two weeks. It doesn't seem to be helping you in any way. It might be addressing or focused on the wrong thing. And so, you know, not, not to mention that a lot of times, like you said, the skin there is so thin and it's the area that ages first for all of us. Sometimes we just don't give it enough time to do its job. So I usually say give it a month as long as you're tolerating it and it's not irritating you before you decide it's not helping you. That's a good question too. Like when skin, like when skin products, like you said, cause I mentioned I have very sensitive skin. So I, and I've had experiences like where I've had the skin kind of like gets rough, like on my wedding day, actually, I'll tell oh. story with you. So I got a facial done like a week and a half before. And then like on my forehead, it was like those little red, I guess, like, I don't even know what it was. Like, luckily, the makeup and the, the pictures, you couldn't tell. But like, okay. if you were up close, you could kind of tell like it was like leathery a little bit. And so I think after that, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I don't know what to use. Like, I'm just gonna stick to like very, very light products. I know that certain products, like you said, like, you know, they're meant to turn over your skin. And sometimes Sometimes it seems like it's irritating it or like certain th- certain uh, treatments that like take off the the layer of the dry skin and then mm-hmm. like new skin regrows. So for a product, like how do you know if it's actually like irritating your skin ver- and you need to stop it versus it's just that irritation that you just kind of it, it's like taking away, you know the the dry skin I guess that's what it is I don't know I'm sorry if I'm uh, saying it wrong no no so what what you're asking is how do you know if it's doing its job to exfoliate versus irritating you right and so I'm sorry you had that experience (laughs) you know insult to injury with everything stressed about you obviously don't love having a what you had was an allergic reaction (laughs) to something that was applied to you right before 
but in terms of ways to test, so if you are prone to sensitive skin, I tell any of my patients who come in and have a history like what you just relayed to me is, oh, I had a treatment, I had an allergic reaction, is if you're going to incorporate something new in your regimen, patch test it on your jawline. Mm. And the nice thing is all of the online beauty shops, many of the pharmacies have very good return policies. So if you use something once a night for five nights at your jawline and you feel like, oh, it's it's not irritating me, I'm having no problem with it, then definitely feel free to put it around your eyes or on the remainder of the face. Um, if you are getting irritated after those five nights, return it and get something else. In general, people with sensitive skin, I, I love recommending scent-free, dye-free products, like I mentioned before. Um, but to your question is, how do you know what amount of peeling and redness is appropriate versus too much? I would say it, it's really, if you're buying a product that's meant to be an exfoliator, sure, expect a little bit of dryness and a little bit of peeling. But that's what I was mentioning earlier about the two non-consecutive nights a week. If you're trying to introduce something that's meant to be a little bit drying and irritating, like a salt turnover or an exfoliating agent, do ease into it. Because I think a lot of us women, and I don't know where this comes from, but we all have this mentality that there's sort of a good purge when you start something new. And if you could see me, I put fake quotation marks when I said good purge, because really you don't need that. Like to know that a product is working, you don't have to have that really inflammatory response to it. In fact, that's when you're very likely to, to overdo it. Like I was alluding to earlier, when you're using it too much, your skin is red and you're dry and you're cracked and you're peeling and you sort of feel like this level of satisfaction that it must be doing something, but you don't want what it's doing to be counterproductive and creating a whole bunch of inflammation and disruption in the barrier of your skin. And so I think as dermatologists, I think there's, I'm seeing this tendency now of, of maybe a little bit more before quarantine where people were doing so many different things and it was just layering and irritating their skin and stepping back a little bit. Remember your skin's function as an organ is to keep the outside world out. Like every single organ in our body has a reason to be there, right? Your heart is designed to pump. Your lungs are designed to breathe. Your skin is actually designed to be your wall against the dirt and the infectious agents now that we're all talking about, you know, in the outside world. And so when you do too many things to irritate it, you're creating a whole bunch of fissures and openings and cracks that are portals of entry for all those things that are meant to stay out. So don't do things that are making your skin totally broken down, peeling and red, because not only is that irritating and probably going to create more inflammation that's going to help, that's not going to help your appearance, but you may be disrupting that barrier in a way that's really counterproductive to the function of your skin. Oh, that was, I love how you explain that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you, Sonia, you have a daughter who's 12 years old and a lot of us, um, I don't have any, I don't have girls, but a lot of moms who are listening have daughters. And so when we think of skincare routines, what is a good age to introduce this to daughters and to girls? Uh, specifically to girls, I think for any gender, boy, girl, I got my kids when they were really little, as soon as they were old enough to give themselves showers, I'd say probably around like five years old. I tried to get them in the habit of using just a really gentle scent-free, dye-free cleanser on their face when they wash the rest of their body and they wash their hair. And, and so I think that's the two really good habits to get your children into, actually three, when they're really little is using a cleanser at the end of the day when they take their bath, because most of our kids when they're young are fortunate to be out there running around and playing a bunch of sports. So there's dirt and there's sweat that even at a very young age, you get them in the habit of just washing off at the end of the day. Mm. I think my son and my daughter have been taught and I've nagged them so much that after their bath, they put on a scent-free, dye-free 
really lightweight moisturizer that doesn't make them feel sticky. So, and they include their face in that. And then they're also, and this is much more hard, is they're also trying or trained to put sunscreen on. Mm. I think those are like the three steps that if you can get your kids to kind of expect that as normal are really good. And then I'll say when my daughter hit 11, that was when we started noticing the start of breakouts a little bit, you know, and that's normal because with puberty and the onset of puberty, you see those oil glands, especially in the T-zone on the forehead and the nose and the center face start to come under hormonal regulation. So they do become more active and you start to see the little bumps under the surface of the skin, the occasional little blemish. Mm -hmm. So that was when for her, when you start seeing that as your child and especially daughter approaches puberty, it's a really nice time to then add in something that's going to help unclog pores and, and prevent those much more serious breakouts that are that are brewing. And so at that point, I would say around 11 is when I started having her use a wash, which had an alpha hydroxy acid. And for her, even though she played a lot of sports, she was already in the habit of using the gentle cleanser in the shower. She also got in the habit of using that alpha hydroxy before she went to bed at night and then adding in a moisturizer. And then certainly if, if genetically or just by bad luck, your kid is more prone to more severe acne, then there's certainly stronger steps you can take. Uh, knock on wood at 12 and a half, that alpha hydroxy has actually maintained her skin pretty well because it is unclogging her pores and allowing that salt turnover. And, and it's sort of regulating her oiliness a little bit. But I don't doubt that very soon I'll probably have to up the ante and introduce a retinoid for her and, and something just to kind of keep more preventively keep things at bay. Oh, I'm glad that you said like, cause I didn't even think about it that, cause my son, my older son is five and he takes showers. Cause when you said like, well, they take showers by himself. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, thank you for making it not gender too. I said girls. Oh, I, was, I was like, yeah, I guess I mean, my son will be right there. <laughs> and then he'll have his sister to nag him too, in addition to me. So probably in better shape than we are with just her. I but, know. But I think you're right. I think girls tend to be more self-conscious about it for sure. But I think for boys too, especially if your son is is sporty and plays sports, it's a, it's a really good habit to just get them into. Yeah. But I'm just curious, like, especially with kids, like products for kids, is it different than products for grownups? Or like what kind of, if you don't mind sharing, like some of the products that are okay for kids to use? Yeah. I mean, I'd say everybody has, you know, their, their comfort level with, with parabens and chemicals. So I think for kids, I have a lot more patients who are looking to uh, more chemical-free lines. But I think in my household, I'm pretty comfortable with good old Cetaphil and CeraVe uh, and Vanny Cream, um, which makes really scent-free, dye-free, hypoallergenic products. And, and the reason for that is that sometimes, and this isn't to throw all organic products under the bus, we certainly have a number of them in our house, but sometimes organic doesn't equal hypoallergenic. And so remember, poison ivy is organic, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily really good for your skin. That's true. So yes. it's just because it's plant-based doesn't mean it's, it's not going to irritate your skin. So in my household, where everybody is much more sensitive, I've found that the things that are just really formulated to be gentle tend to work better. Uh, But if you have a chemical-free line that's scent-free, meaning fragrance-free, and isn't bright pink, it's it's kind of just a bland dye-free product, it's it's fine with me, but those are the ones that we use in our house. Like for kids, is it a different SPF, I'm assuming, than the SPF you put on your body? Or is Um, it the same? No, actually, I mean, I use the same sunscreens on my kids that okay. that, that I use myself. And again, for me, I don't use any chemical sunscreens. I'm, I'm really sort of a fanatic about those mineral block sunscreens because they are uh, much less allergenic. There's not as much risk of systemic absorption. And it's not to say that the chemical blocks are bad. I just think that 
again, if you have sensitive skin, which my kids do, you're always better off choosing a zinc or titanium product. Okay, that's great. That's really helpful. So when we're shooting this and when this episode's going to be going out, it is during the quarantine. And I wanted to switch gears a little bit and just kind of ask you, you know, you have your own practice, the dermatology practice, which, you know, is now you're saying you're doing a lot of like telemedicine where you're seeing patients um, virtually. You're also on a television show. You're on The Doctor. So you're not, which is obviously no TV or anything is going. So there's been a big shift like with everybody. And I like to ask this because I think it's very important to recognize that all of us are experiencing our own shifts and we're dealing with the, the like adapting to the change in our own way. So I'd love if you don't mind just like sharing whether like with work or just with family, like what are some of the the big changes that you've had to um, adapt to during this time? Well, so you just touched on it all, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think my kids are school age. So my daughter is in middle school. My son is in elementary school. They literally overnight had to switch to remote schooling. So we had to download the online apps that allow them to to do their classes online. And like, literally, it was the next day. And and there you go and hit the ground running and get them up and not drop them at school or at the bus stop. And, And so that was a huge transition. And emotionally, I think for the kids, that was a huge struggle, because they went from seeing their friends and having recess and having all that physical and social outlet that school provides at those ages. Because as you mentioned, my daughter's 12, my son is 10. And those are ages where they're very connected to their peer group. And as much as they need us, it's just a totally different social outlet at school. And as much as you can substitute, I think, the educational component through Zoom, you just miss all that other physical, social connection component with the kids. So if anything, they needed me even more because emotionally that was that was really challenging. And that was hard. It was hard to readjust my job description because, you know, at that point we were used to dropping them off in the morning and then mm. seeing them back at three. And yes. then had all these after school activities that all very abruptly were canceled in the middle of really good seasons for both of them for sports and for music. And so there was a huge frustration and and disappointment because they had had to try out for teams and they made these teams. And then like two games in the season got canceled, you know, things, things like that. So, so long winded way of saying, I think as a mom, my job description really expanded. I became their PE teacher. I became their therapist. I became their piano teacher. (laughs) I became this remote, you know, I had to relearn algebra to help my daughter with her homework. It was was crazy. And that was really hard. And that was simultaneously going alongside, like you alluded to, where our TV shows on hiatus, we had to do like a couple shows via Zoom, which was all new to me. And I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in my late 40s. So for me, like transitioning to online was not as natural as it was for my kids, which was And then for my practice, too, I have 12 people who rely on me for their income and their jobs. And so we had to make some really unfortunate, rapid decisions as to how to cut back everybody's hours to keep them employed, how to still be available for our patients who were freaking out but didn't want to come in. Like you said, we transitioned as many people who we could comfortably transition to telemedicine. We still had, sadly, a lot of emergencies where people didn't want to go to the ER or urgent care. And ethically and professionally, I felt like it was really important that we still have our PPE on and see them when they needed Mm -hmm. to see us, whether it was for an acute infection or for melanoma or something where we can't wait till Mm -hmm. the end of this pandemic because we don't know when that's going to be and that's not safe for them. 
So, and they didn't want to be exposed and we didn't want people on the front lines of the ERs and the urgent cares to be diverted from the people who really needed their attention to these issues we could handle in our office. Right. So, so it was, it was a tough transition. I, I'm not going to lie. Like those first few weeks were really, really stressful and they expanded my job description on many, many fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and only I think now that things are sort of normalizing and everybody's kind of getting back into the rhythm of, of this new normal, does it start to feel like it's, it's kind of coming back under some semblance of control. Right. But, um, but I think, all of us as moms, our job description changed so much. And I think in retrospect, we're all going to kind of realize in how many ways things changed for us and kind of what our kids started to expect. And, and you know, my kids regressed, I would say, a little bit in that window, too, just because it was so uncertain and they they kind of needed that comfort more than they have. They're very independent kids otherwise. Um, and even for my patients, I felt like people were freaking out and they had no outlets and they were just turning to any kind of familiar source of comfort. And even physiologically, there's so many maladies of skin that are so much worse with stress. And uncertainty can cause everything from acne to flares of eczema to psoriasis. And like I was saying, many people who had acute issues didn't want to go get urgent care or ER care. So they were deferring care. So when I was seeing them, that was really much later in the process, then perhaps we could have nipped things in the bud for, for a couple of the infections I saw and things like that. So, um, so anyway, uh, it, it was hard. We're getting there. I think the silver lining to all of this, and I, and I hope anybody listening to this feels this way, is that these really crazy uncertain times really teach you a lot about your inner strength and your flexibility mm-hmm. and your resilience. And so just go with that and be kind to yourself. Understand that things are sometimes really challenging and it's not always obvious and right away that, that the path through it is clear, but for me, I think it's as a learning experience, it's it's definitely taught me a lot more flexibility. And there are actually some good things about this. I like that the slower pace has made me stop and spend a lot more time focusing on my kids. I heard stories from summer camp I had never heard, like when they last summer or something. Oh, no. That's and we so were going great. on all these long walks with our puppies. And so it was just a really lovely way to reconnect with them and, and spend more time. And and I thought I spent a lot of time with them, but I think when they have all this unstructured time with you, kids at that age, especially, they they open up a lot more. Yes. And so, so those are things I hope will continue that I hope to hang on to after all of this. After this. That's really your, and you know, I feel like our kids, they're getting a real, especially get 10 and 12. Your kids are a little bit older than my kids. I think that they're really like going to embody this lesson on resilience and adaptability and learning how to shift. And it's really going to carry with them. And that's what life is all about, right? It's always these unexpected situations that will come and how you handle those emotions and those experiences. So I think it's really amazing that and, and the sil- when we look at the silver lining, that children are getting exposed to these life lessons. And I think they really will carry these skills with them. And I mean, we're now what, like two months into it. Um, yeah. And it's it's almost, I feel like this is just a sign of our adaptability. Like I, I was listening to, and you're in California, I'm on the East Coast, and we're listening to, you know, everyone talking about like reopening. Right. And it's almost like, wait, I'm like kind of comfortable now in this like zone. I was like, 
see how adaptable we could be? Like we were fighting it and now we're like, hey, I'm kind of like comfortable in this little zone that I have. Yeah, I, um, think you're, I think you're right. I think we're all going to have to adjust back to what we perceived as our normal and, and how crazy it was in many ways, right? Running around all the for kids activities and the bustling from this to bustling to that. And, and so I, I completely agree with you. It is kind of a fascinating window into how we adapt to the new normal fairly quickly. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you share that. I think these little shares really help us connect that we are all um, in this together. It doesn't matter what age our kids are, what we're what we're doing, where we're working outside the home or inside the home. Like the, that universal experience of what we have all gone through yeah. is very much um binding for all of us. So thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, thank you for all the wisdom that you shared. I, I so learned much so much. Me. I really so learned lovely. so much. Such, such a wonderful chat. And thank you. Thank you. I couldn't appreciate this invitation more. I mean, you, you shared a lot of great nuggets that I know I'm going to be taking away. But if you wanted to leave the mama listeners with one piece of advice, what would you want them to take away from today's uh, conversation? Well, I think going back to the professional advice that I was yes. giving, I think it would just be that a skincare regimen that will set you up for anti-aging and prevention does not have to be super complicated or super expensive to to work and be really effective. So I think keeping it simple is probably my one take home just from a skincare perspective. And then I think from a more personal, because you asked about the lessons from the pandemic and, and how things have changed, I think... One thing that I had been striving towards, certainly before all of this happened, that has really hit home is to be present Mm. and to just focus on those moments you have. And for me, it's whether I'm at the office and trying to talk to a patient or whether I'm home and I'm listening to one of my kids' stories, it's it's to really appreciate being there in the now. And and I think that very much one of the reasons I love this podcast is because you talk so much about mindfulness and, and in a very small way, I think just being focused on where you are. And for me, not thinking about the next thing that has to be done or having your attention diverted or just on a subconscious level, being anxious about whatever is next uh, is, is so important. And it's it's so helpful kind of getting through this. So I'd say that's my professional and my personal. personal. Both, both equally um, helpful. And I think you said it so eloquently, the whole experience, what you just talked about, about like being present, that's very much been my experience too. Like I, I practice mindfulness, I teach mindfulness, and I realized this is stripped me that I need to be even more slower than what I thought that I was being slow. And so I completely agree. It's like really like when I'm with my kids, I'm like not thinking about dinner. I'm like trying to like refocus myself, exactly. like really be here because you never know, like what the next moment or the next day. I mean, five years ago, would any of us have said that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. we're going to be <laughs> like a lesson, and, and you just never know what's going to come. So, yeah. like honestly, five years from now, I could be a sheep herder in Bhutan. Like I could say that because, like, you just never know <laughs> what you're going to be doing. Um, but thank you so much for this uh, lovely um, conversation, and I'd love for you to share with the moms where they could find you. Oh, sure. So if you're trying to find me in terms of my practice, it's called Batra Dermatology. It's in Santa Monica, California. And our website is is batraskincare.com. If you're looking for me on social media, it's really easy. It's just at Dr. Sonia Batra. Wonderful. That's on Instagram, that's on Twitter, etc. 
Perfect. Yes. And I will have everything linked in the show notes for you guys. But um, everyone, stay safe. I hope you guys enjoyed this and learned so much. Thank you again, Sonia, for being Thank here. You. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone stays well and, and safe and healthy as well. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week. Bye.